we could need it. to ask the Queen about that. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, there's three school children around this desk at the moment, but we've all got good women behind us managing them. And <laughs> that ain't a fact. I, I've, got, I've got a few women that manage me, and Hannah, the Spartan Queen, will go, Gillian, do you want to invent shit or do you want to sell shit? But I used the stone glacier gear on this one. It's the first time I've come off that mountain top dry. Really? Because you just, whatever you've got, you get wet up there. What country? Scotland. You'll be yes. out there next year. Yes. What are we going to hunt? Uh, we'll do seeker and probably red deer. Okay. Yeah. You'd love it. Red stag? No, not in November. All be hinds. So, so a the, stag and a deer you or can two? Do, so the stag's the male, the hind's the female oh, for okay. red deer, and then for seeker it's does and bucks. Okay. No, actually, no, I'm lying. No, they're hinds and stags as well. just depends which deer species. Sorry, callers. <laughs> just complain to Avery about that. For me, not no my callers. So, <laughs> so a stag is what we know as a buck or a bull. It's yeah, basically yeah, yeah, the exactly. male. So red deer, stag, yeah, and then you've got the hinds. Or it's bucks and does, depending on the species. What was the first one? Stags. No, the first species we could kill? Uh, reds, red deer. And then? A seeker. Seekers are the three horned ones? Mm, yeah, they, well, you get Manchurian and Japanese. I'm not too techy when it comes to their horns. I just like eating Let's them. Let's give this a try. Luke, can you throw a red stag up on the TV there so we see what it looks like? Oh, a red God, stag. Yeah, this is, I tell you, this place... I'm super, super pleased to be. Oh, this is all. This is all Jake. Yeah, I can't take no credit yeah. for any of this. Well, it, Jake, I, I knew it would be you and not him. I know him too well. I'm the good idea fairy. Yeah. Jake actually makes yeah. the shit happen. He executes <laughs> it. But you've done this for me. This is super exciting because there's a lot of passion here. Those are yes. like those are New Thank Zealand you. red stags, huh? No, right, okay. Right, let's talk through these. Okay. So all of these crazy little things down the bottom here are fed in somebody's back garden and then released and somebody goes and shoots a so-called wild stag. Come on. Those are high-fenced? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you, now, if you're going to get – if you want big stags, Scotland's not the place because the food quality and the throw, weather – Throw up their Scotland red stag. Is so I w- atrocious. I would rather shoot a wild animal than yeah, a fenced one. Yeah, 100%. If you want a big red stag, uh, then you need to go to the um, west coast of Ireland. And they have some huge stags there. They look more like Argentine and stags. I, and they are natural. Really? But there's mineral there. There's good mineral. Yeah. Ireland told me that I can go hunt there anytime because of my last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got to do it. The clan Blowing blow up. Look, there you go. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now that's a good one. Okay. That is... Three-day Scotland red stag hunt. That's an exceptionally good red stag. I, I've spent a lifetime up on the hill, and I've probably seen a handful. Like How does that life. work? Is that is that like is that all private? Is there any? Is it like a lease, or how does that work in Scotland? That's a really good question. So it's nothing like you lucky lads here, where you've got all this great public land. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on this public land, but that's great. We want more people out hunting, shooting things, and. Let's hope in another thousand years we're still doing natural things rather than worrying about cross-gender toilets. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so literally in Scotland, it's pretty much all private land. You, mm. Then you get Forestry Commission land. You can rent a bit of that. And so they've got what you call these estates, and then you'll have a deer stalker. You'll meet Sam Thompson if you come to Scotland. He's a cool dude. 
Um, and he's really good on his natural history in Scotland. Um, and they tend to be run by passionate people, a bit like us three in this table, um, that really want to get things done well. And they'll have a uh, like a number of stags they want to hunt each year. Gotcha. And then a number of hinds. And then they're called guests. The guests will pay to come and shoot those stags and those hinds. And the seasons are obviously different like you guys here. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them will do them with ponies. So you'll go up and then you'll shoot the stag and then you put it on a pony and bring it down. Unlike you, all the meat, not all the meat, most of it goes back into the food chain and is sold to restaurants and such mm-hmm. like. And there's a really cool restaurant in London called Rawls, oldest restaurant in London, 17-something, and they specialise in game. That's a year older than you. It, mm, almost. <laughs> but it's a good, fun place to go to. So it's basically a bunch of guys own the land and then individual ranches, let's say. Like here yeah, we have like, like a ranch in Montana yeah. who can, they'll get so many tags and they'll yeah. sell the tags for 25000 yeah. bucks to come kill a, a big giant bull so elk. we were talking Branded Rock, Amy, same sort of thing. That sort of system is more recognisable mm. and more familiar than... Like, like landowner tags. Landowner tags. So, yeah, but... At the moment, what they're trying to do in Scotland is really hit the red deer hard. Um, and there's, I, I'm sort of sit on both sides of the fence with it because they want to replant and they want to rewild a lot of it. Quite nice to see. But a bit like your wolves, they want to put things in there that, great, put them in, but come back with a management protocol if you're going to do it. If you're going to bring the links back, okay, when the links get to a certain number, let's make sure the links don't get out of control because you've seen it in Finland, you've seen it in Sweden where... They reintroduce the lynx and then the rope deer are annihilated. Is a lynx the only natural predator of a red stag? Uh, you would have had wolves and bear if you go back far enough. Okay. But, but they've no all more. gone long, long time. Really? You couldn't put bear back there. I just So don't. when you talked about control, so they're trying to, because they don't have any natural predators, you're saying they're trying to bring the deer population down? Certain parts, they want to grow trees. They want wild trees to mm. because Scotland would have been covered in trees. And you, they're even called deer forests. Right, which mm-hmm. is crazy because if you come to Scotland, there aren't many trees there. That's just they've all been they've all been logged out. They've been logged out for ammunition boxes, boats, all sorts of things over the years. And because there's so many deer, they don't get a chance. And obviously grouse, you know, you don't want trees in a grouse moor because predators live in trees and they're going to hit your grouse hard. Mm. So it's like um, a rocky desert, really, that has been very aimed at, the hunt from the Victorian times, and I'm not an expert on this, but basically from Victorian times, wealthy Victorians would go to Scotland, have their super sexy estate built, fly all their friends and family up, spend the summer up there, hunt stags, fish for salmon, and shoot grouse. And the Scots are pretty good at getting things nailed. So they made perfect grouse moors, they made good deer forests, they made good salmon areas, and they enjoyed the sport. When these guys go out on a hunt, is it is it like the like the big tall leather boots, and they go out for the day, start early in the morning, and have the dogs with them, like we would see in a what like the typical American would think they see in a movie, right? Or is it or is it like we do it where we go out for four or five days in a tent? No, nothing like so. There'd be day <laughs> events, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And you'll go out with your piece, which is like your sandwiches, your lunch. So uh-huh. there's lots of little terms. It's very peace. peace. I, thought, I thought that was a kit. Yeah, it is like a piece, yeah, but your piece is your lunch. It's very Victorian. It hasn't changed. I mean, they still hunt in tweeds. 
right? And you think about this, thinking. right? So tweeds, it's great. I've I've gone up there and hunted in a kilt before, just for the crack of it, with an old three hundred three service rifle. Did you wear underwear? Never. <laughs> You know me. The, bree- I never the breeze is nice. Yeah, the yeah, breeze yeah. is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the midges just biting on your testicles. Just there's something. The midges are mosquitoes. Oh, they are. Just, Not midges. They're worse. Midges? They're or worse midges? than mosquitoes. How do you say it? Midges. <laughs> midges. Oh, so they are a tiny little micro fly. And I think it's only the females that get bite you. They oh, would, they bite. They, oh, and, oh they, they annihilate you. Right? <laughs> and these things will just... I'm such a cruel, sadistic bastard. I cover my son and his little mate. I paid them a fiver to stay outside once for half an hour, <laughs> right? And behind the glass, I said, it's five quid if you can suffer the midget. And they did it. But, I mean, they were tortured. The no things way. are just unbelievable. Mosquitoes. It's a little, it's borderline cruel. Yeah, I know it was cruel. Yeah, if I am cruel. But anyway, it's, it's, it's testing. It's yes. the way to bring up Spartan kids. Oh yeah, we yeah, uh, my boy and I did this hike on the John Muir Trail in California, and, yeah. and we you know there's eleven thousand foot alpine lakes, yeah. and we walked by one. It's all snow all around, and then there's the water. So I I, I paid him yeah a, a similar amount of money to jump in the frozen lake at yeah. that time. Just, I have a video of it, and he hits the water, and his face just changes. Yeah. So I, you know you got to do that to him sometimes. You, you've got to. And I yeah. came down. I was I was in Bozeman before here. I I jumped in that Gallatin. Just to chill myself off, and I thought this uh, this would be good for me, and actually, it was stupid. Nearly killed me. How, the, how did <laughs> forty five minutes before I could feel my feet again? Yeah, fuck, you have a heart attack. Well, that's what my missus said to me. But you've got to go. Look, I don't want to end die in an old people's home. Right? I think the way to go. I don't want to live forever. I'd be great if I get. I'm sixty this year. God, sixty years old. If I can get to seventy five, fit and flit, and just drop off, I think you win the. Bonus just keep jumping in those ice rivers, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll drop off. We did it in Greenland a couple of years ago. So I went out with a fantastic guy called Tatsy who's got a little boat up there, and he would jump in on every trip. So, And I said, oh. and then the boys did it, Max and Nick, and I thought, it ruined my day because I knew I had to do it, and I hated it. And actually, it was equally horrible. Mm. There was a movie that just came out recently about some folk tales out of Sweden where there's this village kind of up in the mountains and these people believe like you had like your life was broken into thirds. Yeah. And once they finish being a productive member of society, they actually, they fall off this cliff and hit the killing rock at the bottom. It says, you know, slightly horror film and there's some twisted parts in it, but that goes along with your, there's probably some truth in that as well. Mm -hmm. Historically where food is, and I know Inuit adopted the same sort of policy. Some of the Inuit up in Northern Canada, Hmm. So, yeah. Well, they're not going to take me out that way just yet. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But what were we talking about, boys? Nothing. Well, we're talking about the peace of Scotland, tweeds. Tweeds. So, yeah. So getting back to Scotland, we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap this one up. But basically, it's very sort of traditional. And if you've gone out and hunted in tweeds for a day, I mean, Scotland is wet. Even when it's sunny, it's wet. You know, it's always raining. Or if it's not raining, there's a lot of moisture in the air. So you just get heavy wet and uncomfortable mm. and it's, it's there's so much better stuff out there now is it always as dreary as it looks on tv no you no? can have spectacular days and actually it's one of my favorite places on the planet and it does you could have four or five weather fronts come through in one day so you get a little bit of everything but it's i love a little it similar there. here in the so in the pacific northwest there's some data statistics about you know how many rainy days per year and yeah. so on but it's it's similarly 
wet yeah. here in the Pacific Northwest yeah. of the United States. Yeah. Anyway, you've got mountains. Eh? You know, on the other side, you're going to get a dump. Right. Well, for those who don't know, we have Rob Gearing from Spartan Precision on the podcast. And what did you call me? I called you a podcast slut. Every time I turn on a podcast, there's Rob. Yeah. So we got to talk about some new things. Today. That's what I was going to say. We got to get some gems from you, but we'd be remiss if we didn't give our condolences to the queen. She did a good job. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm on the fence with the royalist, royalist. I think you guys are more royal over here than we are in the UK, actually. But I think. You mean pro royal? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think for a person, she was pretty, she was the dogs. She did a good job. I mean, you think how long she existed. She was probably ready to go, though. She probably thought, fuck, I've just done enough of this now. But, but funny woman. Are they yeah. – over here there's like a romantic, you know, connection to royalty. Yeah. Over there, is it the same? I, there's lovers and haters. There's, is it 50-50? Is it 60 No, I'd say there's probably more people that are royal uh, by virtue of the fact they're still in existence than not. But I think – they don't actually have really any con- – I don't believe in it. If I want to vote somebody in that's making a decision, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think Cromwell was probably right a, f- a few hundred years back. You know, to say, vote them in and more importantly be able to vote people out. So I think, I think from a standpoint of control, I'm not necessarily a believer, but I think they do more good than harm and all you lovely Americans like to come over and – Look at them at Buckingham Palace. It's a bit like a glorified zoo, really. Well, it is. It's like, but you go like tyrannical, you know, dictatorship thousands of years back, being the conservative American. I'm like, why do they, you know, and and they take your money. They're they're not exactly going broke as a royal over there. No, no, they're not. But then they also bring a bit of money in as well. Yeah. I, I think if you actually looked at that, they probably bring more in than they cost. I was a bit pissed off with the Queen when her place burnt down in Windsor and she didn't have insurance. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then we had to fund that. You know, nobody's going to pay for my house if uh, the insurance mm-hmm. policy's not working. And like when their boat got a bit tied, they wanted us, you know, come on, Queenie. You know, you could play up to that one. I think I'm a little uneducated on the on the queen or monarchy situation, but I, I understood that, that as the mo- like the monarchy of today – actually has no power to not make re- decisions and laws and things like that. It's all for show. The people are, the people over there are funding a show Yeah, for the it, most part. It, it, yeah, it's a zoo. It's a, it, for want of a better word, it's a, it's a bit of history, right? When you get a new prime minister, they have to go and see the queen and she signs off. And then I think on every Monday they go and have a chat or did tell her what's happening, cup of tea, you know how it works. Uh-huh. And just make sure everybody's happy. But yeah, when it comes to actually control, they're not playing the cards anymore. Yeah, they're yeah. not a queen in the or king and a queen in the sense that you would see in in, in the Braveheart movie or whatever. No. Where you know, there's a guy that's dictatorship over. No, overall. and that changed really from Charles the First when they chopped his head off, mm. and then it went back again. They then his son came back and they dug Cromwell up and stuck his head on a spike, and it all got pretty ugly. I'm actually doing, I'm listening to the history of the UK at the moment, and it's fascinating. Mm. Yeah. What, what, I'm dumb to it too, but what did, what year did you guys actually get a democracy 
in the UK? That's a really good question. I don't know when that would have come in, but it would have been Cromwellian times. Yeah. Um, and then he went That's, over and kicked the hell out of Ireland. And you three, guys hated it. And he was horrible over there. 300 years ago or so? Yeah, sort of yes. touch 16 something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like when you come over and I've talked to you before I've done their podcast with you, it's kind of interesting because it is, it is two different worlds. The UK. 100%. 100%. But now we are just run by people that, oh, I'm going to turn into an old man now, but I have to do my rant. Well, you want to discuss Well, there's it. clouds out there you can it, yell at yeah, if yeah, you want but to. It's, it's literally, we're now run by people in the UK that have never run a business. Everybody around this table runs a business. You know, we're practical. We, If we don't do something, we don't put food on the plate. Now we've got people that are getting into politics that have gone into the right schools like Eton, you know, cost of fortune to go there. So that you've only got the world, the country's elite going there in the first place. 19 of our prime ministers. That's like our Harvard. Yeah, Harvard yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it might be even more than that. But so they all go to the right school. They then go and have a little play at university. I never went to, I hardly went to school, right? And then, yeah, they all go to school. They all go to the right university, study something completely useless like the history of art. And then they run the fucking country, right? And now we're paying the price for it, right? So I, I've had no internet for two and a half months at work and nobody takes ownership. And talking about, oh, this is going to be fun. You Americans will not believe this. So we've just segued our business. So we've got a defence business mm-hmm. and a hunting business and a lot of practical reasons. The trouble we had getting a bank account. So thank you, Putin, you know, he at least people woke up and thought, well, actually, defence is quite important. So now I have got a bank account. But I wouldn't have even got a bank account from your business. So that's how bad we are. We're 30 years down the line from where you boys are. So keep doing what you're doing. It hasn't always been like that, has it? No, no. It's got I've, – I've seen it really deteriorate over the last 15, 20 years. Okay, so you go to get a bank account for a business and they just say no. So hmm. what's worse than that? They won't even tell you why. And we bailed these banks out a few years ago, remember? And now they're playing God. I wrote to our prime minister and I said, we might not as well send our kids to school for the next 10 years. I can't even get a bank account. The country is screwed. This business is all about international trade. With I even had the UK government interested in products that they want to buy from us. And I said, well, great, help me out. How do I get them? You can't make it up, can you? You cannot make it up. Is it a thing where it's a political thing where you're making stuff that goes on weapons? Or- yeah, 100%. And it's now we've got this crazy image where we're more worried about which toilet we go in or what we call each other, and I don't even start me off, rather than it's, it seems to me now that everybody's worried about image rather than effect, right? I'm actually want a result. We're just looking at stuff on the table. We're looking at these fantastic rifles you're making at you want a result because you're a small pack because you won't feed yourself if you don't do it. I feel the same. You feel the same. Right. But now we've got people running the country that all will spend more money on worried about which statue is no longer in vogue than repairing the roads or fixing the telephones. Or which names of products that have been around for 100 years are, are no longer politically correct. Oh, please. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're about today. No, though, but it? I mean, it's, <laughs> well, it's it's it's. Like in the forefront, though, like people are pretending to be something and we're making something out of it. So it is happening. And young people listening out there, listen, right? You want your freedoms. You get on there and you fight for what you want. 
right? And if you like living outdoors and hunting and just do it. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing, right? We've been doing it for thousands there of years. There seems to be lots of links that pop up, you know, different companies that are that are looking after conservation and hunting and all that. They'll, they'll put up a story on Instagram with a link and it tells you, go fill out a form real quick that, that's mm. writing to, you know, the, your, your state senator or something like this. And taking that time is definitely... Yeah. It. It's great. And I think the silent majority is becoming less silent. Mm. Right. I I literally it is an old man thing for me. I've been I've been on the planet for probably too long. And if it'd been medieval times, I'd have been gone by now. Somebody would have stuck something in me. But I just <laughs> see it and I think it's such a shame and it upsets me greatly. And I think we've got such good potential and so many good news stories out there. Let's concentrate on those and let's get people doing what they're doing. And there's nothing more conservative than a liberal, right? We were talking about it earlier. You know, remember what that word means, right? Mm -hmm. Liberal. Let's talk about it. But you know, conservative people tend to be conservative, but they listen to other people's arguments. It's a dangerous generalisation, but I'm not a million miles off. You talk to a liberal-minded person, oh, no, no. You've got to agree with them. No, I don't, actually. And we've all got our own minds. We've all got our own views. We should have an adult discussion argument. I might not agree with you certain things. We're not going to fall out over it, but we no. can have an adult discussion. No, we've never been so divided, you know, left yeah. and right. we got to talk. You have to talk or nothing happens. Yeah, exactly. So we're spreading the word, guys. Start mm -hmm. it off. Yeah, yeah, and you can't okay. sit on the sidelines anymore. If uh, something, you know, perturbs you or you don't agree with something, you got to, you know, like the howl.org we were talking about where you can go fill something out. If you go to howl.org, they have a bunch of stuff that pops up, and it's pretty much – it's so easy for you to fill out. It's it's dumb proof, and yeah. you send it to the people that matter. Yeah. Well, because and it's it, like an automated letter-writing yes. program, basically. Yes. You're just putting your name and your personal info in there. You're like signing a – what do you call it when you put your autograph on a thing outside of Walmart? Petition. 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 Yeah, it's basically yeah. a petition, yeah. but they're but they're automatically the program is automatically yeah. writing a letter for you to the senator. Yeah, it's like this whole p pistol brace thing. Yeah, everybody, even if you don't have it, but you believe in two A, you need you need to talk to your representatives. You need to get loud because what they're doing is illegal. Well, it's it's worse than that, right? It's not going to change a bloody thing. It is. We know it's it's all about, and this is such a liberalism. It's all about image rather than effect. And I can talk to you about that with some conviction because we lost our pistols, right, back in probably the 90s because of one mm. shooting event. Had there been less murders through pistols? It's now easier for me to buy a pistol in the UK than it ever was when it was licensed and managed. So that's complete and utter bollocks. And you it's, guys became like the stabbing capital of the world. Oh, we you? are now. Yeah. yeah. Sweden's the murder capital of the world, right, um, and we're the stabbing capital of the world. I went into a shop the other day, store, as you call it, kitchen store, and it said, uh, we can't sell you a knife unless you're over 25. I could go and die for my country at the age of 18, and I can't buy a bloody, and I can have kids, but I can't buy a kitchen knife. Pay taxes. Oh, it's just insane, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. And that, guy, that people, you need to stop because it's utter crap. It's got to stop now. So basically you had a shooting and they just jumped on board. We had a shooting, one shooting, and they liked the same old thing. They knew the guy was a wrong one, shouldn't have had guns. He was threatened to have them. He knew the chief constable of police. He was a mate. He kept him and he went off the rails, right? Well, they could have stopped the problem at the source. And then they introduced, they interviewed the politician some years back and they, after his career, you know, when he retired. And he said, they said, anything you've ever regretted? 
doing? And he said, yeah, taking pistols away from people because I took a lot of sport away from law-abiding citizens. Effectively, it hasn't fixed anything. And as I say, I could go to London now and pick up a pistol much more easily. One more thing about this, and then we'll move on to lighter topics. But you can't even bow hunt in the UK, correct? No, no, you can't bow hunt. That's another one that really presses my buttons because I've got really into the bow and uh-huh. I love, I'm not good with one, but I lo- it's almost brings out a childlike excitement in me. And the minute I'm, I'm not bad on the targets, but you put something live in front of me and I go to pieces. <laughs> we could talk about that a lot, but I just, I, it's just a magic to bow hunting. It's in our DNA. Yeah. Yeah, it there's is. one. There's one behind you there. We just put oh, together I, and painted. I was, I was getting a bit gist up about that when I came in, but there's oh. a lot of sexy toys in this room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> make some sexy toys. <laughs> I'm looking at your ring mounts, and I'm I might have to nick a set of those. Yeah, they are just beautiful. They're going to be coming to Mongolia with us. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, on the on that note, um, I got a question for you that I get a lot, hear a lot, see a lot on Rockslide. Why you guys came out with your, let's say the first generation of the Javelin bipod. Why did you guys go with a, a bipod that you can take off your rifle? I keep seeing, I, I know the answer. I'm just doing Yeah, it yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. Uh, so my background, anybody that knows me is probably was more hunt and more climbing than anything else. That's what I grew up doing. So I was always fanatical weight driven nut and I'm not a big bloke. So I don't want to carry anything unnecessary. I used to do guiding in the UK, take people out, and I just got fed up with having a bipod stuck on the rifle rifle, and more over in my shoulder, and our hunting was a bit different, and I thought, there's got to be a better way. And then I came up with, I won't bore you with the details, but it was I was in aviation, I came up with this idea of sticking a bipod in a magnet and just popping it. How often do you use a bipod? Me? Not very often until no. I need it. Exactly. So I thought, this is a stupid place to keep a bipod. I'll put it on when I need it. As a hunting tool, I think the javelin now, we've nailed it. It's where, I mean, you read the reviews, people love them. It's not the bipod for everybody. But if you're in that environment, in this picture behind us, and I'm looking at a fantastic place of Idaho with a 3,000-foot drop to the river system, it's the only tool because you've got all. And, and that camp. is the bipod yeah. that we killed that bear on on this hunt. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And I think for that, and if you understand, the most judgment I get from people sitting on a sofa that like weigh 50 stone and never go up in a mountain. What's what's 50 stones? A lot. Yeah. A porky bastard. A porky bastard. We're actually looking at your bipods on the screen back here. So another question is, well, that'll just, if I'm running around trying to shoot something, it'll just fall out. What do you have to say about that? Yeah. And people do lose them. But this man over the road here, you are going to make some orange ones for us, aren't you? Yes, we're painting one as we speak, and if you like it, we could do plenty of that. I'm really excited about that. You know, I if if I'm running, I'm if I'm running around with the rifle, I I don't run around with my rifle anyway. Yeah, you know, most of the time we stop and we see something, and you set up and you take the shot and all that good stuff. We don't walk around with the bipod in there, but the magnet system to me, the magnet strength itself is is fairly strong, and it has a good amount of maybe a quarter inch of of interference along the. Well, your that adapter the, you've made there just nailed it. Yes, but I think I think there's two answers to this. One is you can make it a lot stronger, but then I want to avoid a noise as much as possible. We had big, strong magnets, and then it's very difficult to not manage a click, a click uh, engagement. The well, other you're talking is, about a loud, audible yeah, click. Yeah, and the and the other reason is I don't know whether I'm going to be shooting off a bipod. 
I might want a tripod. I might want to run some. So the whole thing about what Spartan is, and this is not a big sales. I want to talk to you about other things, right? But if we're talking Spartan, the whole thing is it's modularity. It's building systems to meet your application. And anybody that does is a serious hunter knows there is no one tool that will do everything well. So we've really nailed, I would say, mountain hunting. That's where we've been because I've spent my life in mountains. And now we're working on other products like the Valhalla and other stuff that will come out either towards the end of this year that we've been talking about or early next that's more sort of general, but again, very sexy and exciting, pretty Mm -hmm. excited about where we're going. But it doesn't come away from the the javelin. I can't do anything with that bipod now. That is other than make it orange. It's I'm pretty happy. I pick them up and go, you know, just does what it's meant to do on the tin. And people love them. I like where Swarovski's gone with the orange too. You see oh. the you'll see the new Swarovski little mini spotter there. They sent me one. When I had the choice of green or orange, I almost lost my green NL Pures right after yeah. I had got them. And that was the most expensive thing I ever bought in my life and, and it almost got lost in the sage. I did a little um video on that. Yeah. And everything I've got now is orange. Yeah. Right? Because why not? Mm-hmm. It's stupid to have a camo knife. It's true. Yeah, everything. If I can make everything orange, I will. Mm-hmm. We just had a guest on here, Jim Carrin. He literally needs everything in orange <laughs> because he leaves everything yeah. on the mountain. Yeah. And and if you're in a hurry and, you know, if you do shoot something, you know. You're, Is that the circle of Jim? The circle of Jim. Oh. So yeah, we have this thing every time we go to leave somewhere. It doesn't matter where it's at. We're, saying, we're doing the circle of Jim to make sure we don't leave shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that does my head in. I'm pretty good at not losing stuff, but I... That's a little... Easy. In your little goodie bag there, that's a that's a muzzle cover. Yeah. And yeah, we do them in black and orange yeah. specifically for that reason, yeah. but... So I've just done... So I'm doing this Mongolia thing and basically working with a few brands. And I said, just send me stuff in orange, guys. So the Firelight Kits... The battery charger units and the knives—they're all orange. Nice. Yeah. Old man orange—we should call it. Yeah. Old man orange. But you mentioned some some new products coming out, and you did bring some fancy stuff here today. Well, I'm. Yeah, we've got. We're working on some stuff with you guys, mm-hmm. and we're really excited about this because for me, it's been a big passion getting some product made in the US, and we've got a good little company on the East Coast making us some Davros units now, EDC machining. Pretty excited about that. We'll be taking those off them this year. Um, and we want you to make a new bipod. Nice. Can you do it? We sure can. We've heard him say that, callers. <laughs> so yeah, there's a new bipod yeah. here. Unnu- unknown munitions are going to be making a Spartan product, yeah, and with, I'm with, hugely excited about with, it. With Salmon River Solutions. Yeah, perfect. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now there's something new here. We're going to call it the we're going to call it the hybrid. Well, for now. we haven't really got. So what you've got in your hand there is a product we've made for the military, right? So we've got Spartans broken into two now, and we've got the defense industry, uh, a defense business which is fairly embryonic, but got some super cool products, and then the hunting side. And that product that you've got there was developed for the French SAS, and we're working with them on it, but it's got a different adapter system on it. And I said, well, hang on a minute. There's going to be a PRS and a lot of people that like, if you like Atlas and Harris, they're great bipods. It's our sort of answer to that. Mm-hmm. And I think having it made here is super. I'm so excited about this. It's heavy duty. I think uh, loading up the bipod like everybody likes to do with this long range type yeah. of shooter, I, th- I think it's going to fit the bill for what you're talking about. There. And and if we build it that way and we've got different leg configurations, you can have a thicker, heavier duty leg if weight's not an issue or you can go different with Different lengths leg. as well. Oh, yeah, different legs. It's all, it's all Lego. They all share the same thread application. So super excited about that. 
Yes. Well, it's heavy duty without being heavy. It's like it comes at right at ten and a half ounces. Oh, did you weigh it? Yeah, yeah we did. See, there you Brother, go. Mr. Avery's Skill. on it. He asked me that earlier, and I said I don't. Ten care. and a half is not bad. So yeah. we, nope. I generally tell guys when they come in the store, we talk about bipods. I say, well, I have an Atlas Cow. Yeah, that is a pound, and yeah. then we have the Spartan Javelin, yeah. which is a half pound. So yeah. depending on where we're going to be hiking and what we're going to be doing, or how far from the truck, you yeah. know, you have a choice of one or the other. Now you have this, which is just a couple ounces more. Than the javelin, but 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 it's going to fit the bill of that Atlas cow. It it it's yeah, it competes with an Atlas mm-hmm. more than a javelin. I don't think we'll come away from the javelin. I think for the purists out there, mm-hmm. would, what would I use? I'm going to stick with a javelin. But yeah. if I want a bipod to stick on the rifle that I can remove quickly, this is the answer. You know, we have some. We have a couple pretty heavy caliber. That's a 33 XC behind you there, and you can see the round on the side of it. Yeah. It's a it's a cannon. You know, and I think in an application like that for the couple ounce penalty, it may be, you know, better to run this guy. Yeah. Well, you can load that bipod as well. Yes. Yeah. And shooting off carbon is pretty sexy. I mean, it's a bit like (laughs) it's, it's, it's like putting suspension on your car. And I do prefer the tactical legs versus the twist lock or just the standard. They've been, uh, we can't keep up. They, uh, everybody's going tactical. My original Spartan, I bought just the leg replacements for it. So I still have the gray head on the top of the javelin, but I have the black, you know, tactical legs and definitely prefer those. They're going to become collectible now. Nice. Because the grays have, we're finished with them. I still have one. And a lot of people are going, oh, it's the minute you stop something, everybody wants it. And now you're going to have orange. Well, now we're going to have orange in about half an hour. I guess I'll paint my gray. Well, maybe I won't paint the gray (laughs) one. No, don't paint the gray one. Collector's item. What's the the length? They come with the two different leg sizes or are going to come just one standard leg? Avery, you're a... You ask me all these techie questions. Well, I, I mean, these are the things <laughs> well, we're going to get. Well, the legs are interchangeable, right? Yeah, so yeah, you'll yeah, still right. have the so, – on the new bipod, you'll be able to put the short and the yeah. long tactical legs. Those little short tactical legs, I think, are about six inches to maybe ten, mm. something like that. And then the long tactical legs, I think, run from nine to maybe 15. Yeah, those but are the best. don't quote – I make stuff. I'm crap when it comes to – I just say it's lightweight and they work. Yeah, yeah, if you're interested in the Javelin bipod, so we have those on the website, and I did a little product video that explains yeah. all those links yeah. that Rob is bringing up, as well as the different attachment methods that are yeah. available. Well, and your, I'm I'm looking at your adapter now, and that is just a super cool idea for a carbon stock because mounting gunsmith's adapters in carbon stocks, you have to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You've nailed it with that. So we call that the flush short rail. Yeah. And basically, so you're, you're, you're drilling a three quarter inch boss 0.375 inches deep into the stock and using a standard claw nut on the top so that when, you know, the, fl- the rail itself is flush with the stock, so it looks sexy. And then, you know, you still have the boss for the javelin and then a Picatinny rail for. So you can run anything you like anything. on it. It's a super sexy item mm-hmm. and it's going nowhere. Yeah. Done a good job. The Davros hit the told tripod system still going to be made. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got. We've got the big, the one that is really popular now is the Ascent tripod. So we had the Sentinel before, um, which is great if you're on sort of hilly or flatland. It's more sort of east, not mountains, because it doesn't behave as a full functional tripod. Can you, Luke, can you put the Sentinel tripod up there? So probably Okay, it's that same. That's that's the head of the the, um, Ascent. The Ascent is your trekking poles. Your tripod body. Go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And I love this product because I can do everything from prone through to sort of crouched. I mean, I'm 5'10". I'll, I'll be able to do a, a crouched overstanding shot. That There you see the ascent with the little tack legs. I love using that. And that's great if you've got an adapter set further back because 
I've done quite a bit of hunting in Asia and there's serious angles, a bit like this. Often with a bipod, you're not going to be able to get the pitch. Whereas if, you, if you've got the adapter set further back and you're running that little tripod, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like all our stuff, it's all modular. So you're not married to using a tripod. You can run it on two legs, three legs. There's even a cradle system you can turn into a mobile shooting bench and run it as a, you know, quad or pent system. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're leaving the choice to you, the operator, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. The Davros Pro head. Well, I, that head is impressive for what it can hold. Oh, it's. Have you seen me hanging off that stuff? This stuff is. It works. That's more come impressive a long way. if I was hanging off. Yeah. Of it. Well, we could probably hang you. For, we'd probably hang both of us off it. We've got another tripod as well that we did for the military guys that will come into the hunting. So, not so much the hunting because it's too heavy, but the PRS Truck people. Hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and that's called the Hercules. And there's a picture of me actually hanging off that with a Sacco M10 what, what, on the top. What's inspiring you for all the different names of your products? So I love the Greek terminology when we get a chance. And obviously being Spartan, there's a lot of things that segue nicely. And even um, so I'll always use a Greek name if I can. Uh-huh. We did a military bipod, that Scandinavian called the Vida, right? <laughs> and that was, that was, that means God of silent revenge, which I thought was super cool. For a <laughs> What's defense. the name? Vida. Vida. Yeah, we're not doing them at the moment. We will, but and we're just, it's not a hunting, t- well, it's a people hunting tool. Mm-hmm. And people want to buy them, and they just don't understand it. It's got a very um, narrow footprint. It folds up, pops in the right, but it really works very good on those tiny little AR platforms where you wouldn't have a bipod, but it's going to buy you another couple of hundred yards if you need one. Maybe having some of your products you're working on, having most of your products made in the USA ad- additionally to where they're being made now, maybe that'll help you get into some U.S. military it, applications. It, it, we have U.S. military all over us at okay. the moment wanting products. There you go. So having it makes so much sense. Based in the U.K. is not a place for us, right? It's a home, but it's the U.K. is really the last place on the planet I want to be. And you were saying and, you spent like three to four months oh, over I'm, here. I, so last year I left the U.K. on the 6th of January, and I hardly went back. I think I was at home with just the way my partner loves it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And um, so uh, – yeah, that's a super cool time. <laughs> there he is hanging have, on it. Yeah, we have a video of him hanging yeah. off of the tripod. Well, people say, oh, they're proof for like 40 or 50 pounds. I think that's dog shit. You know, this thing needs to be bomb proof. Uh-huh. So, and the nice thing is you pull our legs apart. None of those stupid plastic bits pop out. Everything has got a little aluminium shroud on the top, a cap, and it's carbon right to the end. So these things are really strong. And if you did break a leg, which you can do if you put it between, he could break anything. Right, um, I'm pointing yes, to can. Avery. Yes, right, he can. Um, if you break a leg, you just remove the broken bit, put it back in, and lock it off. You still got a serviceable. Is aluminium oh. better than aluminium? Oh, one hundred percent. Anybody that knows this guy, right? <laughs> I was just wondering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, we're pretty excited about the new bipod. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, more details will be coming out as the year progresses. Yeah. but it'll definitely uh, it'll be a winner in the market. It's not going to be a five minute exercise, but we'll get it right. No. And uh, it's something I'm super keen about doing here. Nice. Yeah, cool. and I think, as you say, I think the the military lads will really get that. 
When is that going to be in production? Oh, we can need to ask the Queen about that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's three school children around this desk at the moment, but we've all got good women behind us managing them. (laughs) If that ain't a fact. I've got got a few women that manage me, and Hannah, the Spartan Queen, will go, Gearing, do you want to invent shit or do you want to sell shit? Mm. So she'll be the judge of that, but I think end of the year, well, it depends on you guys, Mm. because I think the market's ready for it. Mm -hmm. It's just how quickly we can tool up. Yeah. Well, I've, and go, sorry, going back to your the javelin head, I've shot out to fourteen hundred yards with a three hundred Terminator out yeah. at Rock Lake, and had I'm not going to say no problem hitting targets, but you can definitely hit targets. Yeah. And the difference is that's the bipod I will take in the shit you know, like Central Idol has yeah. over a you know a pound yeah. bipod that I'm not going to yeah. take. Yeah. So. You know, it's like the gun, you know, analogy, the gun you have, you know, if you don't want to take it, then yeah. you don't have a gun at all. So take yeah. a gun you're actually going to take into the fight. Well, I take that little bipod into the fight. So they're not, they're, they are tall to do a job. And I would say they're so light. Why wouldn't you take one? Mm. Whereas we all probably grew up in the mountains, not taking a bipod because it was an, another pound of weight that you thought, I don't really need, I can get the pack to work. There is a little learning curve. You need to do some practice. Yeah, 100%. And I say that, I said there's an educator, but when you get it right, mm-hmm. it's it's really not. And it's not about loading a bipod. It's about taking the slack out of the system with those bipods. 100%. So you're just using, you're letting the carbon do its job. And they're actually, it was funny, I was in Sweden a few years ago and I was with a company, what they call, anyway, it doesn't matter. We had a load of GRS stocks, big heavyweight stuff, and all Harris bipods on them, and, I had jab- and everybody shot off the one with the javelin. We got a better result off that, and it wasn't. It's not a target bipod. It was just we were shooting off concrete, and it was the fact. It's the medium. It's the carbon absorbs so much recoil. Um, that's the only conclusion I could have come to out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, people look at it, and they judge the book yeah. by its cover, and they're like, "Oh." It's eight yeah. ounces. Well, I look no at you and think way. you're never going to get up a mountain, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, damn. Yeah. You walk. You do a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. If you dish it, you got to take what it. What is Ooh. the? Oh, I love taking it. I love giving <laughs> yeah. it. That sounded kind of gay, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. What? You're on a lot. Of, I told you I was going to hit you with this. I hope mm. you thought about it. Go on. You're on podcasts like every other day. Yeah. So I've heard the same Rob Gearing stories. Oh, I need a gem. Did you ever almost die one time? Have you ever yeah, had an I, STD? Yeah. Have you ever, What's you know. Oh, that's a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> right, yeah. You've got to speak English to me. I, I need a gem. What do, I what do you I should have got? had one by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a story yeah. that Rob has never yeah. told on yeah. okay. a podcast. Okay, that's good. Yeah, right. Okay, there was a climb um, in the UK, right, and I've never talked about this, and I think the name of the climb was called Fuckface. Now, I might be wrong about that. And I thought, well, we've got to try this. And I was with a mad pilot crazy mate who climbed. So this is a technical rock climb. Technical rock. rock climb, all traditional climbing. So you're putting gear up as you go. I mean, anybody that knows about climbing. So you put your protection in and your last bit of protection is if you take a fall, that's where you're going to fall to. Plus that rope length again. Yeah. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, what they're doing now in climbing is just a different league. I was positively gay by comparison <laughs> what you see people doing now it's just but at the time it was sort of probably felt like we were pushing the envelope anyway we did this climb well we did we yeah we got there in the end but i was leading and uh i don't think i've ever talked about this before so you said nearly died 
And I managed to put a bit of gear in, which you do, going up, and then I couldn't get anything in for like probably about 100 feet. And you're talking where, where you put – how does that work? You put a, like a little wedge in? So you get you get things called RPs, nuts, friends, like camming devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all pretty good. They've all come on a long way now. And then you climb on a dynamic rope. So the rope's designed to stretch – 30% of its length so you don't get cut in half when you fall off or and also it won't pull the protection out if it's a shock. Um, so you're climbing dynamic ropes. I didn't get any gear on this climb, right, for a long, long way and it was a difficult climb and I was on the fucking edge. Right, sorry about the swearing school children. Oh, it's okay good. here. But I, I was, I'm just, I'm sweating now thinking about it. So that was a very close-to-death sort of thing. And I got to this ledge, right, and the ledge was – because the climb was a vertical climb, and then there was a ledge probably, I'm going to say, 70 degrees, something like that, but it was nothing on it. And I was, I was almost – I was sitting there and I was thinking I couldn't go down. Right? There's no way I was going to go down, and I couldn't go up because there was nothing to hang on to, Right. And um, I must have been there. And the weather was atrocious. So it was really windy. And because I hadn't got any gear and there was so much rope out, I was tight on the rope as well. So I couldn't communicate with my belay guy. And I was thinking, what the hell? did You imagine this wall behind us, flat like that, just angled like this. And I've got maybe 120 foot of fall behind me mm. and you're there and you're thinking I've got to go and I've got to hopefully find something. Right. And you don't know. Right. And so anyway, I sit there, I sort of compose myself. It felt like forever. It was probably a good few minutes though. So finally I have to make the executive decision that I've got to pull up even more rope because I'm tight on the rope. So I'm buying myself another least 10 foot for this slab so I'm pulling this stuff up thinking, and I'm not in a good place even on that ledge. I'm tiny little. So I'm pulling this bloody rope up, hoping I've got enough. And then I've got my slack. And then I have to belt and braces and go for it. And I get on that slab and I just, just manage to scan up and I find these little matchbox kind of pockets to hang on to. I think, oh, for goodness sake. And I get there and I manage to get a bit of gear in. And the thing that really made me bring it home was I just had a moment there. I thought, ooh, you know when you really shit yourself. (laughs) It makes you you feel alive, doesn't it? Mm. And this is a problem now with young people. I don't. Well, maybe they are, but I I think not enough people shit themselves in life to really appreciate the good things. And then people, because people used to say, why do you climb? And I said, well, because then when I make a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, it's easy. It's a bit like taking drugs without abusing your body. Unless, of course, you fall off. Anyway, back to the story. I get to the ledge, get a bit of gear in, right, and my mate comes up afterwards. Now, he's on a rope. He's tight on a rope, and he's a tough old bastard. You know, he's, he's a proper good lad. And he gets to the ledge, and he looks at me and says, well, where'd you? So how the fuck did you get up there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I said, fuck you. You're on a rope, mate, <laughs> right? You know, so just uh, that, was, that was one of those situations where had I fallen... He would have never caught, I would have just gone, yeah. And so 
There's been a, not a huge number of those events, but there's been events like that in my life when I was climbing and I just thought, oh. And there was another one in Greenland where I soloed a mountain, never been climbed before. I, might, I probably have talked about that. And we walked past it three days later. The whole slab just went woof. And I thought, I was on that three days ago. That was a bit of a wake-up call. And had I been on there on my own, there was only three of us. We were like 260 kilometres inland in Greenland, climbing first ascent. They'd have never found me. I'd still be there. You're yeah. climbing actual ice? That was snow and ice. Gotcha. Yeah, but I soloed it. It wasn't a challenging, wasn't a particularly challenging climb, but I've still probably the per- only person to ever been up there um, and got back. And it was one of those things I thought, well, just, just go a little way, see how it goes, and you, you end up doing Make sure it. you keep that thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, so there's a there's a new one for you. That is a new one because yeah. I I stalk you on podcasts. Yeah, good. So. Keep stalking. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to Mongolia. Yeah, I've got a few adventures this year. What what's that entail? A, what are you going after? And B, what are you taking? When I hear Mongolia, I picture these big giant dudes and like ice with furs on, like Viking type, but maybe and like a Hawaiian them. Viking. Like a bit Hawaiian. like a bit like Avery in a fur. Yeah. Yeah. If I take yeah. my shirt off, it looks like I yeah. got a little, <laughs> little taller, a little bigger. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Whoa. So, Maybe a foot taller. So Mongolia is a place I've never been to, and I've, I've always wanted to ride a, ride a motorbike across it. Um, any excuse to get as good, but I've done the star, done Kyrgyzstan and Tajik. Loved, loved them. We'll go back again tomorrow. I'd love to go to the Himalaya. I've done a lot in the Himalaya, never hunted. So I'm going with our cameraman. I'm going from Paul Goki, who uh, Happy Antelope sells our gear on Amazon. He's a cool, a cool guy. Um, and we're going. We're we're working with some really good brands, um, and we're going to film it, and we're going to talk about the products we use and why we use it, and we're going to be taking your mounts. Oh, yeah. And hopefully, if you've got your seven mil ammunition ready in time, we're going to be using that as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm at that age where I want to work with people because I believe in their products. I might be a bit of a, a slutty sort of person, but I only will use stuff I really believe in. Um, and so there's great companies out there, and I love to share that. And we're talking about that Shannon gastronome. I mean, shit, that stuff is unbelievable. Ryan and I, just we just ordered a bunch of dehydrated meals before we – or freeze-dried meals, I should say, before mm-hmm. we left on this hunt right here. And, and gastronome was one of the ones we tested and brought up, and it was fantastic. Well, you know her history? Fantastic. No. So she's a Michelin star chef. She went on a little boat trip or camp out and um, she wasn't too impressed with the food. And she said, I can do better. And she's doing better. That's right. She went like on a rafting trip yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I like, I like peak, but what I found with peak is I kind of get in the same doldrums of having mountain house yeah. to where that gastronome is a whole nother, you know, taste yeah. palate or whatever yeah. you say for the, yeah. for the connoisseurs of food. And it is something I've never tasted in. The freeze-dried meals. No, I, I mean, we get some good stuff out of Scandinavia, some excellent food, and it's really good. But I, I like her stuff because it was there was some substance to it. Substance yeah. to it. And it was like big chunks yeah. of food. Like the peak the, – I remember peak, peak was fantastic a few years ago, and it's something about the last year. But it, it's almost like when you get to it and you finally heat it up, it's like it was pulverized into almost like powder. A like mash. all the bits are very yeah. small, so everything turns into a food mash, whereas yeah. the – the gastronome, and there's a couple other good ones that we tried out there that it's just big chunks that tend to stay Feels together. Feels like real food. Exactly. And it's if you're out for a few days, it's an important part of the, you know, for me, it's um, 
just keeps you going. It's mm. something you really look forward to. Right. And so eating well is good. And I'm very basic. I take a lot of rice now. I'll take some, you know, some dried sausage, maybe like some uh, a lot of salt because you need people don't get enough salt in them. If you're not eating processed, you know, so lots of salt can't overestimate that. Um, stops you cramping up, but. I'm very basic. I'm very simple, but I think she's really nailed it. So when I'm I take my son thing. out, you know, he, he loves to eat, but for some reason we get in the mountains and it, and it can be difficult to eat, especially if you're at altitude. Yeah. And I need to make sure I bring good stuff that we've tested so that I can make sure he's going to eat once we finally get to where, <clears throat> wherever it was that we were going. Otherwise, you know, he can, he bonks pretty good. The, the other thing is, I mean, people's whole dynamics change when they're in the mountains and you get people that eat well and you get people that go right off their food. But the one thing to keep going is getting those fluids in. Yes. And I'm not exactly a set of car keys as we all know. (laughs) And I think Mason has the same kind of problem. I get hot. Yeah. And I don't want to eat. Yeah. And if I got to go dig into a mountain house, I'm not yeah. knocking, knocking on a mountain house. I've ate probably thousands of them. Yeah. And the peaks, they all seem to taste the same. Yeah. And to where that gastronome, and I can't remember the other one we had with us. They don't taste the same. Yeah. They have it like they're, they're they're just more flavorful. Yeah, yeah. But the fluid thing, you are right, and there's a lot of things out yeah. there taking your salt, salt yeah. pills. I don't get anything flashy. I mean, there's like, obviously there's a lot of good companies out there that are doing some wonderful stuff. But I just it's it's just replacing what you're sweating out, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty basic thing to do. I've been uh, I've been saved by Ryan's supplements now a couple times on different <laughs> hunts, and it's not it just it never made it to my hunt pack list. You know, L- LMT, sheet. that was the stuff, the LMT yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm. You ever tried yeah. that? No. Yeah. Go but ahead. having some type of, it's, it's of course, salt is the majority of it. It's your, it's your electrolyte well, replacement, you your basically. Sugars. But yeah. having some type of pre-workout type of stuff to help you get through those those tough ones yeah. is de- mandatory. Yeah. But I can't take, I, I just can't cope with anything too sweet. It's just not the way I want. So I have to be really, I mean, I did a... We did a Devizes, there's another one. We did a Devizes Westminster Canoe Marathon once. So you start Devizes, and it, it, I think it's 126 miles nonstop, and you finish at Westminster Bridge. And you don't get out of that canoe other than portaging. And phew, you, we were living off those bloody syrupy juice. And I, you know. Oh, I like the gels and shit? Oh, I would have done anything for just a good <laughs> plate of carbonara. Yeah. And yes. it mentally it was screwing my, my head because I just. Oh, I just couldn't get the stuff down. Yeah. Like doing the climbing you've done, <clears throat> is there some relevancy to like the strenuous activity between that and mountain hunting? Very. They're similar. I always say that. I say it's just slightly less risky. Um, gotcha. I'll do anything. I, I just need an excuse to be in those environments um, and be that climbing gear, fly fishing equipment, or rifle. And I'm. we all grow up as killers. I've said this before, but you turn into a hunter. And I've got that level now where I've just had the most epic Frank Church experience. I mean, what a wonderful place on your doorstep. And I and it's just the whole journey with uh, Ian Harrison at Recall was just fantastic. Just finished too quick. We didn't see an elk. Did it ruin the experience? It was the excuse to be there. Not, not one bit. We had a fantastic time. We all came out... We almost, you know, like a lot of trips, you think, well, I'm glad that's done now. I've just come out the Arctic. I was glad I was finished on that because that was hard bloody work. That was minus 31 centigrade. Don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but I froze my fingers. Freaking cold. Yeah, and my eye damage um, to my right eye, which is my shooting eye, is just getting better now. Like I snow blind? I froze my – no, I didn't get snow blind. I froze my 
eyelid and my focal point, so my eye was not focusing anymore. Where were you? Were you hunting? Or so you... We, we were hunting Cape Coley with a good friend of mine, Orphan Inthroth, who's a bit of um. I highly regard that guy. He's a tough nut. What? Um, what? What are you hunting? Cape Coley. What is means? That? So Cape Coley. You should know this word, being an Irish descent. Now it's a Gaelic word, and it means it's the giant of the grouse family. It's the biggest in the grouse family. She almost died over a bird. Oh, we didn't even find a bird. <laughs> oh, it was even too cold for them. So is this, so is this yeah. like a like a like a American chicken? It, it's bigger. Like it's more like one of your turkeys. Oh, right? a turkey! Uh, yeah, it's a big bird. I imagine they're white. So, no, no, they're black, jet black. Caper Kelly. Caper Kelly. It means. Horse of the woods. In <laughs> I thought it mean big fucking bird. <laughs> so, no, it's the reason I believe that it's called horse of the woods is because the flight noise that it makes when it takes off, it sounds like it's galloping. It's a big. So, like, right. how much meat do you oh, get off the bird? Big, big, but it's, imagine a reasonable sized turkey, okay. and then you're talking capicale. Right, okay, so you're looking at males there. It's a turkey. Basically. It's a black turkey. Or a so, big-ass grouse. So, yeah, it is a big grouse. It's grouse family. And the Swedes, all the Scandinavians are mad keen about hunting. You see that white bit on the wing? Uh-huh. That's what you aim for. So they shoot these things out of trees with a rifle. So it feels a bit alien because you're aiming up in the air with a rifle and you think, well, hang on a minute. And then, huh. of course, there's nobody bloody there. So you're not going to – and they've been doing it for years. And so you stalk these things like you would a deer – and it's super exciting. So you went on a hunt for these birds on the screen. You went on this hunt and a couple of weeks back, weathered through a brutal. Uh, nearly, uh, we were. So the rule was: if it gets below minus twenty centigrade, you really don't go out and play too much because even the things start failing. Did you know it was going to be this cold? No, no, you we, went on no, the no. Hunt? What happened to us was. We're out, it's about minus 16, pretty nice day. We're very well tooled up for it. It was good clothing, good gear, no problem. Uh, but then we were, what we're doing, we're getting out in a snowmobile and then we're getting on these skis that are like 11 and a half foot long and they're pretty, I mean, I'm not bad ski. I'm not a brilliant skier, but I can ski down anything. But on an 11 and a half foot ski, that was a bit of a challenge. Is that to be so extra buoyancy to it, keep well, you up it, above the, the... Normal telemark skis, you just sink because yeah. the snow's pretty soft this time of year. And what's happening is you're getting water built up on top of the lakes and then you get... Snow. So you've got to go across really quick. And that's how I froze my eye. So it wasn't the skiing part. It was we were going so quick on the snowmobile. I think I damaged the ice. As I say, it's better now. And then wow. I froze the tip of my thumb, which is amazing. I mean, look, it's better now, but I've got no feeling in it. Talking about being in the cold like that, uh, we don't really hunt in that cold here, but what is a piece of gear on a cold hunt that you would not go without? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, the gear junkie. What did you use? Yeah, so yeah. I was using Cold Skills, which has developed – it's a Swedish company. Cold like Skills. Cold Skills, Tiga, um, Epic Gear, also epically expensive. How do you – what is that? Cold Skills, C-O-L-D, Skills, just two words. And that's where they made up. And, and tiger, I think, is T-A-I-G-A. It's, it means tiger, I think, in, Swiss, in Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong on that. But it's that gear is really designed for what it's meant okay. for. But you're talking probably $1,000 a jacket and $1,000 mm-hmm. for a pair of pants. But it's good stuff. Well, to be out in that kind of weather, you got to spend money. It's like climbing Mount Everest yeah. or whatever. you yeah. got, got to have the gear. Yeah, and those guys – and actually, I got a text from one of the design the owners afterwards. He said, oh, I see you've been playing in my back garden. And, uh, you know, my yeah. guy, and he said, you see now, you get it wrong, you're dead. 
Mm-hmm. And that, so and that's not a one piece. They have a jacket. No, no, it's all it's all modular. There you go. Yeah. The Tiger yeah, Arctic yeah, yeah. jacket. That stuff is really fit for purpose. Yeah. Yeah. How about boots? What did you use for boots in so that time? Because I, I get cold toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't have too tight boots. Mm. We used, uh, I think they're called Apex. It's uh, I borrowed the boots there because they have to have that special binding for these ridiculously mm. long skis. Mm. Um, but I would have probably had Sportiva. Um, I'm loving what Crispy are doing now. And they've got a boot called the Highlander with a built-on gaiter, which would uh. be perfect if you come to Scotland because it's just like. What are those Crispies that you and Mason were using? Colorado's. Colorado's. Yeah, they're making some really good I gear. always yeah. have- there, I think it was. Can't remember the name brand. They had it. Also had a built-in gator, and it wasn't worth a shit. So yeah. I, I imagine Crispy did. No, a they've done job. a good. They've done it. Trust me, because I the there's like the old Yeti gators, your splitman things. I, Crispy have nailed that. Mm. Yeah, and I I'm very picky on gear, and I'll talk about it if it's not good. And I'll talk. What about, about uh you know. Spartan being a, a UK company, let's yeah. just let's just call it international company. Yeah. From from so from the American hunting side, are there some other brands that may be relatively not known uh, here in the US that that guys should be looking for a certain type of gear or something else that you wouldn't go without? Yeah, there's uh, sleeping bag. Oh yeah, so PhD Designs, Phil Hutchinson Design. He died, I think, last year or the year before. But anybody that knows, they I'd say they are the ultimate down company to go to but oh. they're a bit like us they're t- tiny tiny company mm. that's but in the uk in the uk um but they'll make you stuff so a lot of the arctic or antarctic survey teams will use phil hutchinson stuff so they build me my sleeping bags um and what they do is they'll put oh, on, they make jackets they'll and put stuff a membrane that they, they, their stuff is phenomenally good phd uh-huh. yeah so you won't i you, people won't know about that stuff ever mm. and it's a small company yeah. But I love these finding these little companies that are really. Who's passionate. the other one, Ryan, with the uh, with the ice pick kind of carbon drinking poles? Yeah, so he's gear. making some good stuff. I got yeah. one of yeah. his. Yeah. His I don't even he yeah. he has a name for it, but yeah. it's it's the, yeah, that, the ice pick style trekking yeah. pole. Yeah, he's and competition. He's, yeah, but it's I, a But I'm all up for fair competition. But his know? trekking, the single trekking pole deal in general, I thought I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's uh yeah. We just brought it on a couple of hunts so far, but I was pretty. I was we pretty designed one and we used it, but I wouldn't sell it because I didn't want to give people an axe. Because mm. then, so I was using my own one, but I, he's making some really nice stuff. And I look, That's never kinda... be scared about good competition. No, yeah, no. it just makes, makes everybody, everybody better. better. Why don't you want to make an axe? Huh? It kind of sounds liability. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do it. I, you think uh, you look at Black Diamond and such, like made a harness and some silly sod fell out of his harness because he didn't do out properly. I don't want to go down that path. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you can't outsmart yeah. the dumb fucks. No, no, and there's some stupid people out there. So how did how did uh, the hunt you're going to be going on in Mongolia? How did you guys settle on the seven PRC as your cartridge of choice, or were you kind of pushed into that? I spoke. No, no, I wasn't pushed into it at all. I actually, <laughs> I'm not techie with. I, you know, we. I I use. I'm. I'm. Everything I can get away with in the UK, I can run on a 6.5 Creedmoor, mm-hmm. right? You grew up with 6.5 Never heard of 55 it. Never Swede. heard of it. Yeah. But it just does everything well, and it's not kicky. Yeah. Uh, I think the yeah. 7 PRC is a good choice. I was just curious about how you ended up on it. Um, you know, so we're headed to – we're headed to P- so Peterson will be the, I believe, the first to release aftermarket brass. So the first company other than Hornady to release 7 PRC brass. We're going to head out there in a few weeks and see their – uh, the alpha run of their brass on their production line and hopefully come back with some. So if that's the case, then 
we can definitely, you know, receive your rifles and, and get some loads developed. I think that nobody even really knows the capability of that cartridge yet until you put it in what I would call good brass. And we're not, we're not Hornady bashers, but Hornady's known for soft brass and it doesn't really show the capability of, you know, the potential performance from the cartridge until we get that. We're looking at your little reloading, not little, but your reloading set up there. It's like something out of a, like, it's pretty, cool. it's pretty amazingly. That cool. is all the best equipment available in the market to, yeah. to hand load ammunition yeah. is. So you're now my ammunition man. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm gonna just, happy to do it. Just make that work. But how long has that cartridge been out for? Uh, it's well, been. It's, it was just announced publicly just just maybe six eight weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, people boot knew about it last last. They spring. sent out like uh, yeah. they sent out rifle building packages. So from from their existing customer base, you know, they sent out some packages and guys wrote up some articles and did some load development and whatnot. It hasn't been out long. It's a it's a unique cartridge for a very specific reason. Yeah. So you have you have six five and three hundred PRC, which are both hugely successful yeah. in the hunting market. The 6.5 PRC is a short action cartridge, yeah. and the 300 PRC is a long action cartridge. And then they come out with the 7 PRC, which is kind of – it's a little bit too long for a medium, and, it, and it's on the smallest side of a long. So it kind of put itself in a really weird spot. Yeah. And guys are comparing it to 7 SOM and 7 REM mag and things like that. So if you're going to put a 7 PRC in a long action – it's hard to argue because we're, we're bigger is better type of guys most of the time. So you can put a 28 nozzler in that same yeah. rifle build. Uh, but what you have here in front of you, this blue rifle. So this is a true medium action. So medium is not really a standard length of action, but it's coming into – it is in the U.S. now. Yeah. You have enough action manufacturers putting something out where all the inlets actually match. So when you're going to inlet the top of the stock to accept an action, there is now a standard for medium. Yeah. Now, a short action was generally regarded as 2,950 long. So 2.950 inches would be your max length. And then you had your long action, which was 3,750. Oh, it's quite a difference then. There is between yeah. the short and the long. Yeah. So there was room in the middle for yeah. a medium. I mean, it would make sense then. Yeah. So you have uh, Defiance XM Plus. Yeah. You have Lone Peak, Stiller, Zermatt, and now Bat Machine, who all make mediums with the same footprint. Yeah. Now that bottom metal and mag on that rifle, our our unknown munitions bottom metal and mag in a medium M5 footprint can receive a 3.400 inch round, which the standard is 3250. So you just squeeze one in there. Just squeeze the 7 PRC yeah. in, and that was the goal. But yeah. you know, again, putting a 7 PRC on a medium is an arguably better choice than not utilizing the entire long action. And you're going to save a bit of weight as well, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. 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 I mean, we're looking at uh I guess that's a cryptic color. Yeah, we're, it's pretty yes. sexy. That's the Icelandic yeah. cryptic. Yeah, it looks very cool. Yeah, and you've done the scope and everything. I mean, it's an amazing setup. Yeah, the guys in the Cerakote shop are doing a pretty good job. And of course, we have the flush Spartan rail on the front there with your javelin bipod and, and your lovely and mounts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. this thing weigh? Uh it's funny because we actually didn't weigh. I'll weigh it right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad somebody else doesn't know what. Oh, that weighs. I always weigh things. Yeah. Like that's the first question yeah. I asked Jake: is what does that weigh? Eight pounds thirteen yeah. ounces. Not too bad, eh? For you, it's got. A, and that's what the that's night got force. hefty night force. That's on a top. night force. Yeah. It's eight four yeah. thirty two. What was it? Uh, eight point twelve. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Eight pounds, 12 That ounces. is light. That's not embarrassing, is it? With no. the so that's a big heavy. Yeah. So that's a twenty two inch carbon six, fairly heavy contour barrel. Uh, that's an AG Composites chalk branch stock. 
Night Force NX8, the Bat Machine, Vesper Medium Action, and then our, our bottom metal and mag and a TI Pro uh, self touch. So that's a titanium uh, muzzle brake out there on the end, also. And with the bipod? You're going to be under 10, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Still under 10. Well under 10. Yeah. Completely dressed out. Yeah. Oh. That is Sweet. amazing. Yeah. So, no, it's good. I mean, there's so many choices. So I, I was at Branded Rock. My son was working with Amy for three weeks, helping a bit of guiding. He loved it. He wants to get a green card and come over here now. And he, he got me into the 28 Nosler. Mm-hmm. So he shot an elk cow at like 570 with that. And that, sir, that was a pretty impressive. And then I shot an elk cow, I think, the following day at about six, front-ended. And it was, I like that caliber. Mm-hmm. But I that's don't about know. as high performance of a seven millimeter cartridge as you can get. Yeah. So when you put the, if you put the seven PRC in, PRC in perspective, you have on the short action side, you have a seven SOM, which yeah. is Remington shoulder, short action ultra mag. Yeah. Then you have the seven PRC, then you have seven rem mag. Yeah. And then you have 28 Nosler. So I grew up with a seven mil rem mag, but I had accuracy problems with that. Mm-hmm. Well, it has so seven rem mag and three hundred win mag are very old Sammy specs. Yeah. So Sammy is the same as your CIP spec in, right. in Europe. So yeah. the Sammy spec is three three fifty overall length. So the the cartridge is partnered, paired with with bullets that have a very old design to them. The short length is really a debilitating, yeah, you know, disabling factor yeah. in the cartridge overall. Now, if you're going to build, we we just did a, a rifles deconstructed series. We're starting, and we talk about if you're going to build a completely custom rifle. And you're going to custom throat it and custom ammo. You can do almost as much with a seven rem mag as you can do with a twenty eight nosler. Yeah, you know, there's a slight performance difference, but the capability. There's really a cartridge for everything if it's full custom. Yeah. Now that's where the seven PRC will beat the seven rem mag because seven PRC is specked out with a hundred and eighty grain ELDM bullet. Right. Because of that, the Sammy spec is phenomenal. When you and then they'll compare that hundred and eighty ELDM ballistic with what a 7 rem mag does with a 160 grain acubond and that's where the marketing comes in where they're saying one cartridge is superior to the other. So I have a question because uh, when we were in the Arctic Ulf was really on about barrel twists mm-hmm. and he said for a long range accurate long range rifle you really need quite high twist rates. It's not really specifically because of long range it's more about that you use a higher BC bullet for long range and a higher BC bullet or any part of the bullet's characteristics are really going to, you really have to look at the barrel length yeah. and the cartridge horsepower that's pushing the bullet to figure out what the twist rate needs to be. And we're right. talking fast or slow. Not yeah. That's the faster, you know, longer the bullet, the faster your twist. You There's need. so mm-hmm. much science to this though. And it's, I, I'm, I'm very good at going to people that have spent that, like you go to bed thinking about this clearly. Right. And so I just speak to somebody like you and say, what do I need? Mm-hmm. I'm very good at hooking up to sort of good people and going, right, well, that I, I can cope with that. And there might be arguments, as you say, between you and Joe, but you're still going to know infinitely more than I do. Yeah. So we were talking about the 7PRC, actually, and I told him that it's smaller than a 7 rim mag, and that yeah. kind of started a little. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, yeah. I didn't – if you listen to Hornaday Marketing, which, again, I'm not knocking on any brand here, but the 7PRC is the greatest 7 mag ever built now. Yeah. Well – I think 28 nozzles are throated right would just stomp all over it. And it sounds like if a seven rim mag is throated right, it's going to run right with the seven PRC. The difference is, is you can't go buy that high performance ammo like you can now for a seven PRC straight from Hornaday. But didn't they say the same? And I'm not knocking Creedmoor because I use it all the time, but never heard of it. Yeah. (laughs) The Swede. 
I mean, you could probably, you've got more case capacity with a Swede. You probably load those things up even oh. more than you could a Creedmoor. That, that Swede, like, I heard you heard this on the Joseph Von Benedict, yeah. the Backcountry Hunting Podcast, is it's killed more moose than any other 6.5. He says that they don't they don't want to use a 6.5. They're kind of stuck with a 6.5, but I think the 6.5. It's, you know, it's factory ammo availability yes. that well, is determining. Yeah, and the thing yes. about the factory ammo 6.5 by 55, it's always underloaded because there's so many it's old a, Swedish military rifles. It's a bad semi-spec. It's an yeah. old semi-spec. Yeah. And the Creedmoors and the PRCs are just the new hotness yeah. using the new bullets. And you yeah. can't get around it when it comes to factory ammo. But yeah. tell me, the, another layman's question, the 260 – I 260 had, is just like a 6.5. Yeah, and it's better it's than better. a 6.5. Yeah, I think I, I believe that. Yes, but it if, is. But, but again, it's Sammy stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's Sammy dumb. Hornaday came out with a better Sammy spec on a 6.5. But man, a 260, There's you rarely get. I had a Tika in a 260. Yeah, I did. And it was, people always say, oh, it's a half minute, you know, all day long. Well, this mm. gun literally would shoot five shot groups. Mm. Half, but two sixties. Again, it's just throated wrong. While we're talking, Yuka Katola from Sacco, you owe this guy a Sacco rifle, and he'd do a good review on it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know the name you. No, just he's said. a good friend of mine, and I've done a lot with him. And he's he's in Scandinavia. What's his name he, again? Yuka Katola. Yuka. Yeah. Yuka Katola. Yeah, it's uh, the S twenty. Well, we'll make that happen because PRC. you need to do a review on those rifles. They're uh, fantastic out the box rifles. Fantastic out. We've been. Right? I've been telling Jake how yeah. great Tikas yeah. and Seikos are, and yeah, he's finally. Oh, no. I think he's finally turned I, the page. I'm. Um, I'm a big fan of Sako and Tiko. I'm just. Uh, they're just for an out the box rifle. They just do everything very, mm-hmm. very well. I mean, there's a lot of fantastic rifle manufacturers out there, but factory rifles they take a lot of beating. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we kind of run off the rails like we always do, but well, that's healthy though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think you actually told us what you're going to shoot at in Mongolia. Oh, mm-hmm. so yeah, let's get back a little bit on the Mongolia. So we're going to be in, is it a yak living in a year <laughs> eating sheep's testicles and eyeballs? Mm-hmm. You nice. and Liver King? Ali, any, Ali, anything? I'll have a go at anything. Max, my son, was up in Scotland. We we shot nine hinds in two days, and he was hungry, so he took a liver out and started eating it raw on the old hillside. I thought, oh yeah. my goodness, so, yeah. Um, You'll have to do that, of course, if you turn up. But anyway. Isn't uh, the liver like the collector of all the bad stuff? Yeah, in the but body? it's still very good. It's got, we'd be far off eating the lung and the liver and all the shitty bits than the meat that you get a lot more goodies out of them. Okay. You just got to watch it with Arctic animals because the livers are very high in vitamin A, so you can OD on them a bit. But um, I'm all into that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Anyway, Nose Ibex. To tail. We're Nose Ibex. To tail. Ibex. What species? I haven't got a clue. It's a, <laughs> it it's doesn't a Mongolian Ibex. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't think that's the term, correct yeah. term. What spe- it's like there's different yeah, there's subspecies. A lo- I'm not. I'm not. It's expert. like a regional and thing. There's also, they also have a red deer. Oh, my seat's disappearing. Um, and uh, luckily there's no spike up there. Um, and anyway, so yeah, we're, I think we're being after deer and Ibex. Deer but and I'm Ibex. just, and that'd be epic. Uh, where I'm really looking. What kind of deer are there in I'm Mongolia? I'm not sure some Asian deer. Luke, Luke what kind of deer are in uh, Mongolia? Luke is our Jamie. It's a yes. red deer, Luke, but it's got a special name. If I had my favorite American Amy here, she would tell us. Mongolian red deer. These things, these getting back to these Caper Kaylee, what we do when we get them, 
<laughs> We're all over the map. That bird is, hey, hey, this yeah. bird is so stupid, it gives you a point to aim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got one white dot yeah. right where you want to point. But we eat them raw. It looks like a cross between a turkey and a grouse. So we eat it raw does. with a little bit of egg and onion. Fantastic. On uh, yeah. Mm, that sounds good. Grouse are delicious. Yeah. Mongo- Deer in Mongolia. Top left there. Blow that one up. That looks like an elk. No, it's not. A, oh. Red deer. Mongolia's impressive red deer. Is that what you're going after? I, I believe so. Damn, that looks like an elk. It does look yeah. a bit elky, doesn't it? It's very, very elky. Yeah. It'd be hard to tell the difference. Yeah. All right, Luke, Mongolian ibex. Let's see what that baby looks like. They've got a lot of wolf out there as well, I think. So the deer look like an elk or red stag. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, now that's that's my happy place. Mm-hmm. That Interesting. is my happy place. The goby, goat, I'm probably murdering that, goby ibex? They do They do the ibex in Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan and all that too, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, probably not saying yeah, and there's right. quite a few different. There's loads of different ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am not up on my ibex yeah. species. Altay ibex? Yeah. Look like tough. Some so bitches right they there. are. They take some knocking over. Yeah, yeah. Those are awesome animals. Yeah. yeah, I the last one I shot was in Tajikistan, and that was a that was a pretty epic journey. Well, since you've been a globetrotter, oh look for, at that! It calls it the Siberian ibex. Siberian in Mongolia. Siberian those ibex. Are what are the? Yeah. What are those weigh? Do you know? That's a good question. Pounds? I don't know. Do you you mm. went all over globe trotting hunting? Where where would you like to go? Like if you oh, only go right, one place, that's a really good question. So I think my ultimate hunting, if it's just me, is I love roebuck stalking in the UK in the summer in a pair of shorts going out in the evening because when you shoot one, you can pick them up. They're easy to manage. What's a roebuck? It's a little red deer. Okay. Um, it is actually red in colour. The beautiful little species, about the size of a lab, and the, the landscape is great. But <sighs> hunting in New Zealand's pretty. Difficult to beat. Uh, and I'm back there in December with the um, NZ Hunter TV guys. Mm-hmm. And we might do a bit of ice climbing and after a chamois. And um, those lads, they push the boundaries. Oh, uh, roe deer. Yeah. These Robot. are fantastic little animals. Little. Good eating. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So that must be a monster there, the second picture. Uh, where were oh, we? wow, they are that's, No, that's, that's not a roe deer. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's not That's the king's deer. The next deer. one over is... That's a that's a Hungarian row by the looks of things with those big antlers. We don't get them like that. That one there running is classic row. That's next one to the yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Looks yeah. kind of like a whitetail. Beautiful yeah. little deer. Beautiful little deer. Quite. That's solitary. so. Every place you've been, that's the one you enjoy the it's most. It's the thing that I probably feel most at home doing. Did gotcha. you grow up doing it? No, I didn't. So this that's a really good question. So hunt, getting into hunting in the UK, and sorry you Brits that are going to disagree with me, but I've, anybody that does disagree with me from Britain, I've got 50 people that want to come hunting with you when I'm back, uh-huh. right? So take them out and prove me wrong. Hunting in the UK is difficult to get into. Not if you're in the right family, maybe not if you're into farming or you go to college and learn to become a deer. So we have professional colleges. So the quality of hunters in the UK can be pretty good, um, but rich man sport. Yeah, there are ways around it, but generally, yes, you can't just go and get a tag like you can get here and go out and anybody. And there's arguments on, but I think you guys, and I'm sure there's problems with the US system. 
it's a pretty cool system that it's open to anybody. I really like that mm-hmm. fact. Um, if- and I had a conversation. I did a podcast um, some time ago, and I really banged home about how difficult, and that's why air guns are so popular in the mm-hmm. UK. And it has to be that way because if you think about our landmass, it's tiny, mm-hmm. and there's 70 million people that live on it. And it's very difficult to get a firearm full stop. So there's some real challenges before you even enter. So get, answering your question, I didn't grow up hunting. I got into climbing. I shot air guns and things. It was always a bit of a pipe dream to get into hunting. And then I fell in with the right people and started managing deer on pieces of land for people and loved it. It was, But it's, I felt extremely privileged to be in that position. So you wanted to go buy whatever rifle. How long does that take? In the UK. Get a firearms licence. They're going to want you to probably do a deer hunting course, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I think that's healthy. And that's quite, that's, it's not probably as heavyweight as you would do in Germany or Scandinavia, but it's still a commitment. Um, uh, you take maybe a year to get a firearms licence, maybe long now, big, longer now because there's so much of a backlog. Um, there's a lot of people getting into it, a lot of women, which is great which is what we want, but it's not easy. So you have guys hunting those little red deer with an air gun? No, you wouldn't be allowed to do that. I think the minimum legal caliber you'd have for red uh, for deer in the UK is 240, hmm. right? For the row, it might be a bit smaller. I'm a bit out of touch. Six millimeter-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 243 is a very popular row deer caliber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. They're great. It's great. Hunt. We'll try it. Yeah, we'll try it. But that's that's a lovely little species to hunt, and it's great eating. Hmm. Well, we've been on for an hour and 30 minutes, so is there anything you want to close with, Rob? Is there anything? Well, we need to try and get you to get a flavour in Scotland, don't we? Oh, I'm in. We like gotta I just, told you. You tell got, me my schedule's we clear. We've got to get the Queen on board. <laughs> Hannah, you've got some more guests. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to have to put up with him. No, no, that would be fun. And we could do a podcast. Oh, he'll then. be on his best yeah. behavior. Yeah. So I I'm thinking be. I'm thinking it probably will be November. Unless we're drinking, then I can't. All oh, bets are God. off. Yeah, I'm sober, so I yeah. babysit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good. If uh, we get a little whiskey, or yeah. I don't drink wine because that shit's gay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we get like some whiskey. I can, see, I can see you've got a bit of Nog Creek behind you. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, if we keep it minimum on the drinks, I'll be well behaved. So there'll be, no, but they won't. They'll have a whiskey tasting evening <coughs> and you'll be trying all those and you'll be done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that's going to end up wrong. I tell you, that'd be bad. But it'll be an entertaining <laughs> podcast. Uh-huh. But we're going to be back, aren't we? Because we've got some future stuff to do. Absolutely. So within When this the is ne- all ready to rock, we'd definitely be yeah. so your we're next talking, tour. In the next 12 months, we're going to have some American-made Spartan gear? Well, are we? Absolutely. The pressure's on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm 100% on for this. Because the UK is okay, but American-made stuff. No, no, no. It's, this is going to be – we want an American flag on this, and I think we're in the right – there's a real energy in this place. Thank and you. And I like that, and I like the fact it's small and we can grow together. And that, for me, the machine shops that I've been successful with in the past have been smaller and they've – understood where we want to go and they go, oh, we need another machine. The passion. Yeah, yeah. If you have you the passion for the, the product you're producing. You can do producing. so much with passion. It's not a job shop right. back yeah, there. Yeah, we yeah, only yeah, make yeah. hunting stuff. Yeah. So growing up in the UK, did you always think, those Americans are such arrogant fuckers? I think you've got 50 different states and it's 50 different countries. I would agree. Yeah. I, I think the diversity of this country is huge. It's just like a giant version of Europe. Um, and um, you can't, 
yeah, we don't want to get into our politics again, but you've got <clears> so <throat> many different flavours here. And I think it's such wonderful opportunities over here. If I was the average American, why would you travel? You know, when you've got this out, you'd look, at, you'd look outside your window. I know it. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really appreciate what you've got over here. And my, my go home on this is appreciate it and recognise what you've got and do not let it go. Right. Yes. Public land from a country where we do not have public land or very limited, or if we have public land, we certainly can't hunt on it, is so valuable. Mm-hmm. So whatever those politicians are doing, if they're not doing what you want, vote them out and get somebody in that is. That's what I'm going to finish my words with. Great oh, advice. I should write that down. Yes. yes. Well, well said. Gearing for president. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I can't even get a Greek. Well, we've, we've already, we've already had one president yeah. who wasn't American. Yeah. We're sure we can have yeah. another. Oh, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So, All right. Well, that's we well, thanks for coming. If you need to get a hold of me or Jake, go to podcast at shoottohunt.com yeah. and we appreciate your feedback. Again, Rob. Guys, I've loved every moment of it. I thought it'd be fun and it's it's not disappointed. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Pleasure. Sir. Nice, Rob. Did we do all right there, lads? Yeah. We did.